no, they're, they're not interested in actually making a good movie. Um, maybe they are. I don't know. Uh, let's go ahead. <laughs> I like it when, when your real cynicism just leaks out like an <laughs> I-cord. Welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster, you are living in a central downtown sort of area of uh, San Diego. That's incredibly specific. I don't think <laughs> people need to know that much, uh, but yes, sure. And you are recording from an undisclosed location in the Rocky Mountains. I could give them the cross street if you like. I'd rather you didn't. I actually don't think I could, because I do not remember. <laughs> on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is on HBO Max. Um, as the And in theaters. And in, I suppose, probably somewhere. And uh, The Guest, which is on Netflix and Tubi, which is our streaming homework. Yes. So... I had a whole thing planned at the beginning of the show to talk about how I bought a new TV, but I decided I'm bored uh, bored by that idea already. And yeah, I don't like it. Well, I bought a new TV. I needed cool. one. I got my taxes. I bought a new TV. That's the Didn't story. Didn't we talk about my new TV? And it was like, that went nowhere. Yeah. So we, we tried TV material already. I was on Reddit earlier today, as I often am, and... I frequent the uh, subreddit odd, A-W-W, R slash A-W-W. Yeah, that's a good one. Cute animals. It's preloaded. It's popular enough that they put that at your front page. But I think there is there are some things that are not ah that end up on ah, And I wanted to run some supposedly cute animals with you, and you tell me, is it ah or is it not ah? Do I, should I pull up, like, pictures of them? No, 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 no. I'm just going to name animals. You tell me, are they cute or not cute? Okay. Bats. I like this. Cute. Okay, any qualifiers on this? Uh, yeah, I mean... Because I'm like going to say hashtag not all bats. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, like the, like fruit bats and the ones that have like the puppy faces, those ones are really cute. Puppy Um, face bats are cute. Although the wings still kind of freak me out. No, you're wrong. You're, you're being. The wings still kind of freak me out. They're like fleshy and you can see the veins. I would, I would straight up cut But they got the puppy faces. So I get that. But there are the ones with the, like the, the, like the Bram Stoker bats. Yeah. The little like like, crunchy, like leaf nose bats and stuff. Not cute. Some of them. Are cute. Mm. There, some of them are horrifying, like demons. But yes. I'm gonna say, I I think I I'm gonna go on a limb and say, eighty percent of bats are cute. Oh, that is way overestimated. I no, looked I, up I, bats to see how common the puppy face is compared to others. There's way well, more scary bats than cute bats. Well, the, so the puppy face bat is a specific kind of bat. Yeah, it's a fruit it's, bat. But if you just Google bats, right? I just Googled bats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's pretty fucking scary. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, maybe... Bats are a mixed bag at best. 
Okay, moving on. There's enough cute bats that I'm not like immediately like, oh no, bats. Go. Moving on. Capybaras. Cute or not cute? Uh, they're okay. They're kind of boring. They're kind of like potato creatures. Like, <laughs> I don't think they're ugly, but I, I don't, I wouldn't, like maybe a baby one I could see being cute, but well, I don't think. That's just a guinea pig. The, yeah. the whole thing that makes a capybara interesting is that they're the largest uh, rodent in the world. They're like, they're uh, a guinea pig the size of a dog. Yeah. And they like sit in warm water. They don't do much of anything. Capybaras have grown on me. I originally thought they were kind of gross because they have weird, like, hamster feet, but they're, like, big. Um, I don't think that they're gross. I just think they're, like, boring at best. That's like saying anything with hooves is cute, except a pig. Like, you know, like uh, like gazelles or, like, antlered creatures, ungulates, in general, are kind of just boring. I could I could take a baby deer every once in a while. Um, okay. Yes. What about possums? Cute or not cute? <sighs> okay, that brings me to some news in my life. But yep, they're I'm going to say cute. They're they're very uh, common in your area. Yeah. So I've lived in multiple houses that have had yard possums, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say they're initially scary. But after 10 seconds, they're cute. If they're not hissing at you or foaming at the mouth. They don't really hiss. They, I mean, they don't, they, they don't really hiss. I mean, I've never gotten one in a situation. And I've been around a lot more possums than I thought I would in my life, not living in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just kind of scurry away. I mean, it's just like a cat or a raccoon. Like, they just don't want to be around you. Like, right. hissing is if you're going to corner them or playing dead or whatever. Like... I think that they are, they are mostly cute. They are, I think they are, they're pretty cute. Okay. I, I, again, like the capybara, they've grown on me. The, the rat tails are kind of freaky, but. Yeah, their tails are gross, uh, but I like their little, like, fingers. Yeah, I, for me, it's the, the expressions on their face. Yeah. And when you see, when you see them as a baby, it, it kind of, like, works. They can be scary, but I'm going to say they are cuter than they are gross. What about non-venomous snakes, a.k.a. No, snacks? No, no, no. Snakes are disgusting. Yeah. I When I was a kid, I didn't have a problem with snakes. I don't know what happened, but now I'm like, I'm like, I don't like snakes. I, I've like, they freak me out. It developed a thing. It's, I mean, it's. The Indiana Jones fault? I don't know. It's not like a thing thing. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like, I wouldn't say I have like a snake phobia, but I'm not going to go out in a fucking field and try to catch gopher snakes again. Like I, I don't ever need to touch one again. Right. And I, they are not cute. They're interesting. They're kind of cool, but they're definitely not cute. Yeah. I'm the same way. I definitely do not like snakes. Um, in fact, they creep me out more than like insects and a lot of lizards as well. Some lizards are cute. Some lizards are cute. I, I'm not going to talk about them because there's such a wide range of lizards. Uh, what about, and I think I know the answer to this already, human babies. Oh, disgusting. Get that shit off of Reddit r 
a WW. Get that shit off of everything. Nobody wants to see your ugly baby. You know who thinks your baby's cute? You. Because you <laughs> fucking gave birth to it. And it's in you your it. it's in your fucking evolutionary code to think this is cute because it's a pathetic little tiny version of me so mm-hmm. that you don't kill it because they are useless. They are just a drain on your resources. They are not cute. It is literally conditioned in your brain to think they are cute. Mm-hmm. You know what's cute? A fucking cat. Get a cat instead of a baby. Okay. So every once in a while, people will post their babies on Nope. On I never subreddit. thought a baby was cute. Your baby's ugly. If you're listening to this and I saw your baby, I secretly thought it was ugly. <laughs> what about what about a video or a gif or whatever of a baby snuggling with a cat? Ugh. I'd be like, this is a cute cat. Get that fucking golem out of this shot. <laughs> Too bad the Here's baby's the ruining this. Yeah. Babies? Fuck no. They're gross little potato beasts. Okay. That one was easy. For the most part, we agree on what should or should not be on the Reddit subreddit. Yeah, if, it, if, subreddit. It's, like a, if it's like a little fluffo, if it's got some some, some fur. Yeah, then it's yeah. cute. No fur. Automatic deal breaker. Get it out mm-hmm. of here. And that goes for animals I like. Like hairless cats. Not cute. No, 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 no. I I, I mean, I definitely don't think. Oh, here's what I was going to try to think of. Armadillos. Because that's kind of in the no fur category. Mm. But they got to fit. They got to, you know, and I would say turtles are kind of cute. I'm not a big yeah. reptile guy, but I think turtles have a quality. Yeah, some, some turtles can be cute. I would say armadillos can be cute. Like, they got those little... Again, they kind of got puppy dog faces. Yeah, yeah, and the little ears. Yeah, I'm gonna say that they're cute. Okay, well now we have that settled. What was your thing? Uh, so our was this our last episode? Uh, when we on episode sixty (laughs) nine, nice. Um, we reviewed Mortal Kombat. Yes, uh, the new Mortal Kombat movie. On Instagram, mm-hmm. um, you you posted it, and I just noticed there's a comment here that I thought, you know, is, is uh could be interesting to talk about. Okay. Um, Ra- Rachel Rainbow Phoenix says, "Oh question, yes, do you think the disparity between Keith and Cassidy's grades of Mortal Kombat are somewhat reflective of the different viewing experiences?" So you wanted to talk about movies on a movie podcast, <laughs> streaming versus theater. So. Uh, you saw this from the comfort of your own home, uh-huh. streaming on HBO Max. I saw it uh, at a movie theater. I gave it a C plus. I think I gave it a B or minus. B minus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. What do you Did think? Did the do bump you think- come from the theater experience? Is what she's asking. I think that that is a distinct possibility. I also saw Godzilla v Kong in theaters, mm-hmm. and I know. F- in in that case, I think it might have made it a little worse because I hadn't gotten any like vaccine yet. Um, so and you're still was, a little bit more nervous. Yeah, and it was just like it was more crowded than I was expecting, and mm-hmm. uh, we were with uh, my wife's parents, my in laws, mm-hmm. and so it was all just like kind of a thing, just like. All right, everybody get to the seats with, like, the fewest human contact possible. Mm -hmm. And everybody else had been vaccinated except me. So they kind of already had their vaccine blinders on. Like, they were just being, like, a little less... Safe. uh, 
I'm not going to say safe. Like, they weren't doing anything crazy, but, like, they were just a little less aware of other people than I was, who was on, still, like, hyper alert. Yeah. Um. So that didn't help me. Were you between um, I, shots or at that point? What? Were you between the shots at that point? Or no, nothing? I hadn't. I haven't you even, just hadn't even gotten it. my first shot. Yeah. Okay. Um. Whereas Mortal Kombat, I think I had my first shot by then. Yeah. Uh. And you know, we we got a couple of drinks. Uh. And the, and, and I I just felt like. Kong versus Godzilla was like a little too early mm-hmm. um, to just like truly like let back and relax and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, whereas Mortal Kombat was just like I felt like sort of everyone in the theater was just like fucking ready just to, to see it a, a movie again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that did enhance my experience because like you right. know when when a crazy death would happen, you had the audience going oh. And you know, you know when Kano has a good joke, everybody's laughing. Like yeah. I, I think that did enhance my the shared experience. experience, especially like a crazy movie like that that's like hyper violent and yeah. you know ninety nine percent action shock. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So I mean, yes, conditions matter. You know, if I was watching it on my old TV that was ghosting all the time, and I could Stop still see... Stop trying to sneak in TV <laughs> content. And I could still see the the uh, menu, the Netflix menu, behind um, Kano and whoever fighting, then yeah, I probably would have yeah, given it a different bad. grade. And, uh, you know, anything like that. If, you know, if you have a, an upset stomach, you're going to feel a certain way. I Back in the day... I remember I went to go. What movie was it? I went to go see August Osage County, and okay. <laughs> the, the the theatrical roller coaster of August Osage County. Yes, can't see that any other way. Well, literally at the time you couldn't, um, <laughs> and I just wasn't feeling it. And it wasn't the movie's fault. It wasn't like I was like this is a piece of shit. I was just like in a bad mood. Was didn't want to be there. And was just like nonplussed by everything. Everything annoyed mm-hmm. me. Everyone annoyed me. And I was like, there is no way I can be objective about this movie. So I just left. And I came back to it later to, to review it because I was just like, my I'm such in a sour mood that as a critic, I am compromised. Okay. I I there's a lot going on there. Like, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate your integrity uh and your your ability to recognize, like, mm-hmm. when when you're not in it. And, I mean, that does happen. Like, I yeah. I was talking to former uh, co-host uh, Richard about uh, a comic book uh, that he, he recommended to me called Monstrous. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people recommended this comic book to me. It seems like it's right up my alley. Um, I, I even have the first volume. And uh, I started reading it. And when I was reading it, I just wasn't into it. And it was not the book's fault. Um, and I wasn't even like in like a sour mood or anything. I just was not in the mood for like starting this like fantasy yeah. epic. Yeah. And, and it was just like, I'm going to put this aside and come back to it. I haven't come back to it yet. But. Well, that's like me in every book. Well. <laughs> I have just stacks of books read. I haven't read all over the place. I mean, that's everybody in any book. Yes. Who fucking reads anymore? You're listening to a podcast right now. <laughs> Fuck you. You don't read. No, yeah. So going back to the original question that you posed, 
certain conditions play into things. I will say, however, some of my favorite movies of all time that I love and adore and, you know, work their way into my DNA, um, I've never seen on the big screen. That's true. I mean... I've never seen No Country for Old Men on the big screen. I've never seen Psycho on the big screen. I've never seen There Will Be Blood on the big screen. Yeah, I don't think I've seen any of those. I would like uh, I've to. I've seen... A, I, I, but here's the other side of that coin, mm-hmm. is sometimes seeing it in a theater, sometimes seeing it on the big screen can ruin your experience because... The, you know, the audience fucking sucks or right. you're, you know, like sometimes you can see something alone in a theater and it's fucking cool. But there are some movies that's like you should see with other people in the room, uh, you know, sort of like my August Osage County story. I saw uh, Inside Lewin Davis twice um, because the first time I saw it, it was packed full mm. of gray hairs. Um, sure. and I didn't get there. They're that. all talking. They're all like, what's what did going he say? on? Huh? That's He's that's, a singer. He's a singer. That's Bob Dylan, I think. Um, <laughs> so I'm like way in the back, way <laughs> Can further. Can we do a riff tracks of, <laughs> uh, just, uh, just Inside Louis Davis just being old people? <laughs> Living in Irvine, California. That's the Star Wars boy. Um, so I was way further back than I would normally be in a movie. Everybody was kind of talky and chatty and eating a thousand things like inappropriate foods for a theater. And I liked it and I knew it was good. And I was like, "Ah, this is a good movie. But like the experience was so shitty that I don't feel like I even got the whole movie. So I went back like a couple days later and watched it again when it was like an, an empty matinee or whatever and i did like it a lot more the second time yeah yeah so did that affect our readings of mortal kombat i don't think so i i think it might have maybe a little bit for me but Mm. i don't i don't know if it really had too much of an impact i know i think with movies like mortal kombat um both versions um really the telltale thing is time you know, because you might be drunk on like the theater experience and mm. then you don't see it five, six years, ten years, something like that. Yeah. You come back to it and you're like, eh, it's okay. I don't know if I have to own it or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess the answer to this question is I don't know. I yeah, I don't think it did too much, but uh I do think it is a possibility. It's an interesting conversation at the very least. Let's go ahead and cover a little bit of movie news. We haven't done that in a little while, and there okay. have been some stories to pop up. Um, I'm not going to talk about all of the casting rumors and casting confirmations for Knives yeah, Out 2. Everyone's in Knives Out 2. Keith's in it. Keith got a part <laughs> I, I, in Knives Out 2. He's I saw someone tweet, uh, like, if you're still standing in line for casting for Knives Out 2, stay <laughs> just, in line. Just wait. Have to yeah. cast you. <laughs> Keep waiting. Yeah. So there's a lot of that kind of going on, and that's been half the news stories I've seen lately. But uh, if we go back a little further, here's one. This is a somewhat new one. I thought this was vaguely interesting. Bad Boys for Life filmmaker to direct Batgirl movie for Warner Brothers, screenwriter of Birds of Prey. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't think either of us saw Bad Boys for Life. I did not. I don't know. I can't can't say anything to that. I do think the screenwriter aspect is interesting. And Batgirl, I mean, they have a picture of Julie Newmar in the 
in the, uh, you know, okay. that uh, who knows what direction they're going to go with it. There's been a thousand Batgirls. Um, are, is it going to be more tied into like the new Batman that's coming out or is it going to be its own thing? Like Birds of Prey kind of. I think, it, I mean, if or I was going to, Batfleck. to, like if someone gave me that assignment, I would probably, I'd probably base it off the Batgirl of Burnside storyline where she like. She's kind of her own. I mean, it, it's very much about her being like a young hero, and it's mm-hmm. very much like uh, reveling in just like how fun being a superhero can be. It's got like really cute art, and uh, it was like they relaunched with a new costume design. It was when they uncrippled uh, Barbara. So, in my gut, I kind of feel like they're going to go that direction just because. I think that would make the most sense if they want it to be its own thing. Just give it kind of a different tone than a typical Batman story. So it's saying here that that Joss Whedon was once attached to this and has since been removed. Um, Yeah. And uh, Christina Hodson, um, who wrote Birds of Prey and is also writing The Flash, also wrote Bumblebee, which we liked a lot. Oh, okay. So I like the vibe. I like the yeah. vibe. Uh, yeah, that's at least two two pluses for yeah. me. Um, very plucky, very like fun, bubbly movies. If they keep that going and don't make it too dark and gritty, and or don't make it, you know, hyper self serious or yeah, you I know. could be into that. I I would like it to be more like Birds of Prey and less like Snyderverse. Agreed. I think that's usually the case. Vin Diesel to star in Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie. What? Okay. I mean, didn't they kind of already... Wasn't Real Steel a thing? Like, I feel like they made this movie. Yeah. I mean, I I have no opinion about this. This is basically just like, attach a star to a known IP. Here, this might be a controversial opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. Without Fast and Furious, is Vin Diesel a star? Like, think about any non-Fast and Furious movie Vin Diesel has done. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of think that he's, like, he's the male Mila Jovovich. He just (laughs) got lucky and had a gigantic franchise franchise to keep him going. Well, I mean, he had Riddick-averse for a little bit. Yeah, but those weren't, those weren't. Big hits like Cult you know favorites. Um, Pitch Black, with, but so is Resident Evil. Like I'm telling you, I think he's the male Mila. I don't think he's a he's a star. Like I don't think he can carry a movie. I I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily go that far. Not not that he's bad. Not that he's. But I just think that <clears throat> the idea of Ben Diesel signing on to lead anything isn't going to excite me. I don't think it's going to excite anyone. No, unless they are stunt casting in a way that, like, it could only be Vin Diesel to make this particular take work. And I don't even know what that would be. And I don't dislike Vin Diesel. I think he can be fun. He can, you know, yeah. I think he works in Fast and Furious. I just, Vin Diesel in Rock'em Sock'em Robots, to me, is like, okay, let's just skip to the $5 bin at Best Buy. Right. Yeah, I kind of feel you. Okay, last story, and then we'll move on to the reviews. Pete Davidson to star as Joey Ramone in a Netflix biopic. Yeah, I don't like anything about that. <laughs> like anything. Uh, I'm not, I 
I don't really like Pete Davidson. I think he can be okay in context. Uh-huh. We kind of um, liked I, uh, that his, like, uh, Apatow film, or whatever it's called. King yeah, Sam I thought, But I think that was because... I think that was, like, the one thing he's got in him because it was, like, such a personal story. Yeah, playing himself. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I don't need to see, see him, him in, in a wig thing and else. a leather jacket. Yeah. I don't think he's, like... He's not a good character actor. Like, like whenever he's on SNL, if he's cast as anyone in a sketch, I'm like, why? Why did you do this to me? Like, he only works on Weekend Update when he's himself, and even that is marginal at best. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I'm not that into Pete Davidson. I think he got, he got famous for being young and famous. Like... Yes, unfortunately, he kind of got swept up in, like, internet fame and dating Ariana Grande and all this other stuff. That has yeah. nothing to do with him. And we've talked about it before. I think Pete Davidson's strong suit is his stand-up. Because what he does on Weekend Update when he go when he does his bits, it's just, it's just a hot five minutes. That's all he's doing. Yeah, but, but even That's that... what he should be doing. Like, if... And he's so yes. young that he never really got to develop... As a stand-up before he yeah. became ridiculously famous. So but, now I think it sort of stunted his growth. As, and I have not been impressed well, with him. I, as I, and I agree generally. with you because I don't even think he's that good as a stand-up. He's okay. He's, like, you know, he's fine. He's a decent club headliner, but he should, like, I don't know. He's not that funny. He's not interested he, in, in character work. He's, yeah. like, I don't really understand why he's most famous for a sketch show. So... So there's that aspect. I don't love yeah. Pete Davidson. I don't think he's the best person for this project. It's the fact that it's a Netflix original. And even those I'm still on the fence with because yeah. I think they're still kind of in the we have to put out content to beat all our competitors mode. Yeah. And then there's the fact that it's a biopic that those are never the best. Right. Uh, unless there's like some kind of an interesting take on it. Like. I really liked Rocket Man because it was a musical and took yeah. a point in a very specific time in his career. Uh, whereas I didn't really care for Bohemian Rhapsody because it was a lot more like paint by the numbers uh, biopic stuff. You know what right, I mean? Right. So, so there's a lot of red flags, and I probably won't see it unless it gets like really good reviews out of the gate, right? Um, or we talk about it here, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I I love the Ramones. Um, I would love to see sort of a recreation of, like, the Bowery in the 70s and that kind sure, of stuff. Sure, and you'll get, like, a couple scenes of, like... Uh, oh, hey, know, Patty Smith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, establishing <laughs> shots and stuff that are cool. But, like, I don't know. I just... I don't... It's going to be a, a lot of, like, chubby hum moments and... and, it, and it feels like on this the movie... Stuff is already just, like, in marketing mode. Uh -huh. Pete Davidson in a Ramones biopic on that. Like, just that sentence alone is like, okay, that is your yeah. marketing campaign. Like, this doesn't really have anything to do with the Ramones. It just is like, it's a, it's a movie for a famous person to be famous in. A star vehicle, yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much my feelings on it. I mean, he is a New Yorker. He kind of has that mumbly thing going on. So I see what they see in that casting choice, but I just don't think, I guess it comes to the, comes down to the screenplay ultimately, but it's not something I'm immediately excited about. 
Yeah, and maybe the maybe they'll get a cool director, but yeah, um, I kind of doubt it. I don't think they really need to. No, they're they're not interested in actually making a good movie. Um, maybe they are. I don't know. Uh, let's go ahead and. <laughs> yeah. I like it when when your real cynicism just like leaks out like an <laughs> icor, just like I hate everything. I mean, there's no reason for to be a good movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you. They don't I have just, to earn that. It can be, it can be mediocre and and get the same amount of clicks. I'm not even talking about the movie anymore. Now I'm talking about you. Yeah, I know. Let's <laughs> go ahead and talk about the first movie we're reviewing this week, and that is "Those Who Wish Me Dead," uh, which is on HBO Max. I suppose in some theaters. Do you want to explain what's going on here? Uh, so this is a movie with a terrible title. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. We said it before the podcast, just not a good title. You will not remember it five seconds after this podcast, as far yeah. as the title goes. That should be the title. You will not remember the title. Uh, but it has... So this is starring Angelina Jolie as a former forest fire jumper who experienced a traumatic incident with a forest fire that was out of control a wind pattern happened that they didn't predict and some people died and so now she's sort of stuck doing this tower duty uh in this fire tower uh and there's also this guy and his kid we don't really uh he's working for district attorney something something He's an accountant. Yeah, and he finds out that there are some people who, those who wish him dead, you know, some very dangerous people, figures this out and takes his kid and he pulls knows him out of school. Much. Yeah, and uh, because he's with his son, he, you know, like takes him kind of far away from their life um, out into this forest where Angelina Jolie happens to be a fire tower person these killers track them down and they end up needing to to kill this kid uh and she he comes across angelina jolie and she sort of has to protect him uh from these killers right and there's also a big fire yes there is uh and the part of the reason why this accountant and his son travel to from fort lauderdale to montana where um, they're traveling to hide is because his brother, played by um, John Bernthal, uh, is former brother-in-law, former brother-in-law, whatever, a family member, is uh, is uh, uh, active police in this area. And he can keep them protected while they're waiting to break this story um, yeah. to the media, which would ensure their safety once it's already gone that far. Yeah. So there's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, and this was directed by Taylor Sheridan, who we've talked about in the past, mm-hmm. um, has written uh, movies like uh, Wind River and directed and wrote Hell or High Water, which, did he write this one, actually? Yes, he co-wrote it with uh, Michael Coretta, um, and, okay. and he also wrote the screenplay for Sicario, the first Sicario. Yes, that's right. So if so he I, likes I mean, like rural hard boiled stuff. Yeah, this is very much in his milieu of like 
I'm going to take, uh, yeah, like a rural, very specific profession. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it's going to be fire watching. And I'm going to entangle it in, in a crime uh, intrigue. He, he's sort of like the movie uh, Elmore Leonard, right? Like he, sure. he kind of has a lot of the same fascinations as Elmore Leonard had yeah. um, with his, his stories. A little uh, bit more. I would say his stuff is a little bit more... Um, moody than Leonard. I think Leonard. I don't know, man. Leonard likes things a little bouncy. Um, and his stuff is a, a little, maybe a little bit more kind of character oriented. Whereas with with Sheridan, it's 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 basically hardball noir stuff with some western flourishes. Well, I don't. I don't know. I think in the two movies he's directed, uh, mm-hmm. between Hell or High Water and this, I think he does like those character aspects and and yeah. uh, and can definitely make them shine in ways where maybe his other screenplays didn't. Just his screenplays didn't get those moments uh, accentuated much because yeah. uh, in this there is Nicholas Holt and. Uh, Aiden Gillen, um, who people are probably familiar with as Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, uh, play these these hitmen guys, um, yeah. and they're very like idiosyncratic and um, you, uh, very like I really like the portrayal of them as these sort of like blue collar assassins. Yeah, uh, they're they're good enough that you should definitely be worried about them, but in they're not so ridiculously. Um, yeah, they're not a Jason Statham that, character. Yeah, they're not so capable that you can't outsmart them. Well, and I just like, you know, the idea of, like, assassins, like, bitching about their boss and, like, In you their know. their job, yeah. And we, like, well, we should have had this. And, you know, like, just mm-hmm. like any fucking job. So there is those, those, and this one in particular made me think of Elmore Leonard because it has these sort of, like, idiosyncrasies. Um, that, you know, maybe some of his other screenplays don't focus on quite as much. Yeah. I mean, it, it is there. Like at the beginning we see, uh, we see Jolie with, uh, with her other firefighter friends and they're like, you know, swilling beer and stuff and having a good time. And yeah, very, uh, uh, Armageddon before the asteroid hits vibes. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, kind of, a, kind of a boy's kind of a boys just very salty gang. like very blue collar yeah i liked i liked a lot of things about this movie there are some things that i think drug it down a little bit for me compared to other work we've seen uh attached to sheridan which i tend to like a little bit more um okay i think this movie jumps around a little too much between the three scenarios the the three main scenarios between the boy and jolie and the assassins, and then John Bernthal and his wife. Um, we, I think, it has a hard time, and I understand that it like it. It, it all kind of comes together at a point, and mm-hmm. you know, the last third of the movie is is perfectly fine. But I think up to that point, it's spreading these characters out a little thin, and I have a hard time connecting with any of them um, for a good while. And I know that this is this is like the thing that probably Jolie was attracted to the role for, and it was what you know got the movie made. Um, and I'm sure even Sheridan would say that this is like the heart of the movie. But 
I didn't really need the tender redemption story with Angelina Jolie. I actually thought that that was a little rote and cliched as soon as as soon as you know that she had like a tragic backstory where mm-hmm. where some kids died. I was like, oh, okay, well, then her she's going to protect the kid, and then that's, like, her, her character arc, and blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, and, and I felt like, in general, um, John Bernthal and his wife, uh, who was played by Medina Singhor, yeah. um, I thought they were the more interesting characters. Um, they are, like, and, they, and they, they have the least amount of screen time. Well, um, I, I actually don't know about... I, uh, I, I guess... I guess if I'm going to be critical of this movie, I would say that, you know, one thing is like they they sort of act like it's going to be an Angelina Jolie star vehicle. Yeah. Um, but it's not like it's it's pretty ensemble. Yeah, she's in she's in the service of the story and she's not. Well, yeah, I think that's for for the best. Yes, um, it is. I, now, first of all, when you say Angelina Jolie firefighter, I go, OK, I, I mean, I guess is she like. <laughs> The best person to put in this role, I, I, I kind of don't think so. Um, she's fine. She's not bad. She's not bad in it, but it's, it's you know, Angelina Jolie, the firefighter. Okay, I guess. Um, my issue with her characterization as written is, I think it's fine that she helps this kid and they, you know, learn to protect each other and blah blah blah. All of mm. that's fine. I just don't need her with the with the weepy backstory and you know trying to tie it in into this bigger character revelation. Yeah, it's it's a little too neat. Yeah, it's it, a little. Too... I think it would be perfectly fine that she just happens to be a firefighter in this area who's good at her job. Yeah, and she's that's all like, she needs to be. And then she, you know, she could just be a roughneck who who yeah. doesn't connect with. Yeah, I don't or think whatever. she needs like some like latent maternal thing going on uh, you know or some like noirish backstory you know some demon she has to overcome i th- i feel all of that is i get again i would I, i'm sure both her and sheridan think that's the point of the movie it actually isn't and it it, no, it comes and, off and as just very written and and just generally the least interesting stuff like yeah you know, like I, this guy on the run with his kid, I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Nicholas Holt and Aiden Gillen are great. Yeah, they're a lot of um, they're they're really fun. They're really interesting to follow. I really they have a like. Good, uh, they have a really good chemistry too. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know their relationship very quickly, but it's not a character role like that. I think can be easy to overdo. Um, but they both play it as, like, very cool and very just normal. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that sells sells it. Yeah, and they reveal their character through their actions rather yes. than Jolie, which is all, like, scripty backstory stuff. Um, you know, like, there's a point in the movie where one of them may or may not have to kill a pregnant woman. And it, like, <laughs> weighs on him. And it becomes an uh, uh, internal dilemma. And it's within that moment. It's part of the scene. You know, you don't mm. have to, like, then go into flashback and talk about the wife who had a miscarriage or something. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's just, yeah, totally. Uh, I also think that's one of the better scenes in the movie. Yes. Uh, I, in general, though, I do think this is a pretty decent flick. Um, I think it 
I mean, I think it certainly stands in Sheridan's catalog. I don't think it's a blemish by any means. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I do think it's, you know, it's well directed because it is a pretty tense, like, thrill ride. Yeah. Um, in the, the thing I like that, I think the thing that attracts me about, uh, Taylor Sheridan's stuff yeah. is, uh, he tends to have characters that are very smart. They're very capable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of seeing these characters do, you know, dumb things, uh, you see characters who you believe are genuinely like outsmarting each other and, and outplaying each other. And it's, I don't know. I I really like that. I really like seeing people who are good at their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's, you know, a movie portrayal of that job. Uh, I'm certain that an actual survivalist would be like, why the fuck would you do that? Um, but uh, I, I just like seeing characters that are very capable. And, you know, and I think you get that with Hell or High Water. You get that with, you certainly get that with Sicario. Yeah. Um, uh, Wind River also, like, he's very good at writing, like, people who are good at what they do. Um, and this just happens to be in extreme circumstance that they're thrown into. Yeah, I think he's good at turning the screws. I think he's really good at writing these um, tense scenarios mm-hmm. that, that kind of put his characters uh in hot water and you know see how they react and for the most part i think his screenplays are pretty tightly written now of all of those movies we've mentioned i think this is the loosest and i think it's not as sturdy as some of his other screenplays um but i think that this does i think it's it's pretty good it's not my favorite and there are certain things about it I would have definitely changed, but I think that it, uh, if you like those other movies, there's plenty to like here. Yeah, and and I think this movie, I think this movie, it, I agree with you. I agree with everything you're saying. It is a little, a little more breezy, but because of that, it's very watchable. Like you know, if I'm asked to watch this again or Wind River, I'm probably going to choose this because well, this a is more an fun. easier watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wind River. Wind River is tough it very is dark intense. and yeah it, i think that's his, probably his his mo- moodiest of, mm-hmm. of all of his movies um well i don't know sicario is pretty but i mean that's more that's almost you could say dense fell new um and that's a different mood than you know right. a woman who's raped in the wilderness right i mean uh, it's that i mean or you know people being skinned alive and and stuck in the walls of drug houses um this guy has a dark side for sure. But at the, at the <laughs> same time, his movies are all about, and this is where the Western influence I think comes in, righteous violence. Yeah. And characters that definitely have an internal value set. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 these are very much, yeah, like you said, very Western influenced. And and, and the landscape always kind of plays a, a, a character in the in whatever movie. And that's kind of why I go back to the Elmore Leonard comparison, because mm-hmm. he, he kind of like he also took these like Western motifs yeah. and sort of updated them and and plays with them, well, plays she, with it as a genre. Certainly within, in like you know, 310 to UMR justified and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, these are this is pretty boilerplate. Yeah. Um, but I think it's effective at what it wants to do. Yeah, it is certainly more interesting than the title. 
Yes. Yeah. Which is the worst thing about the movie. Yeah, I agree. The one sheet's not great either. What's the what? The uh, the poster image. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Like that's... generally speaking, the marketing is not doing the movie any favors. Yeah, but but I also get like why something like this is hard to market. Yeah. Like do you give it a poster that makes it look like Logan? Because it kind of has some Logan vibes going on. Um, I, I think maybe that would have done it some favors is to like play it up as a Western or whatever. This is but. the type of movie where if it came, you know, there's no such thing as video stores anymore. But like if you were to like stick your head under that awkward red mesh at the red box and... You're like, I don't know what this is. Angelina Jolie's in it. I don't know. It's probably going to be bad, but I'll just get it. You would be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean. It's like a high quality B movie. Sure. Yeah. How often do you hear anymore like, oh, Hollywood doesn't make any original movies. It's all just just remakes and, uh, you know, uh, adaptations and stuff. And like, well, you know, this is. This is a solid, like, movie movie. That's, mm-hmm. It's original. Uh, it's got action. It's a thriller. Like It's well made. Thi- yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this is well within, like, this is also, I think, kind of following in a, in a, a legacy of sort of the, these, like, bad survivalist action movies, like Cliffhanger. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Yeah, but, it's kind but of I from think- another time. Or, like... Uh, the River Wild or, like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but but I think, uh, well, The River Wild is a fucking bop, but uh, <laughs> I, I think this is better than, like, Cliffhanger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think this is playing on that tradition of the sort of um, uh, survivalist thriller, but, you know, delivering a modern version of that that's, that's very tense and fun and and action-packed and easy to swallow yeah it pays off the genre stuff but it's not just schlock it's not just dumb set pieces yeah it's got some really good scenes it's got some like really well played out stuff Mm. i agree i give the movie a b minus i think i give it a solid b okay i was i was you know i had a lot of fun with it all right and let's move on now to your Netflix homework, or your streaming homework for me, which is on Netflix, um, The Guest. Yes, uh, this is directed by Adam Wingard, which we've talked about very recently with Kong uh, v. Godzilla, and um, mm-hmm. he also directed Your Next. Yes, um, um, the Death Note movie, which we had reviewed for this or a version of this podcast. And uh, he also did a reboot for Blair Witch that I have not seen. Yeah, so why don't you set up the guest for us, Cassidy? So the guest stars Dan Stevenson as a man named David who walks into the lives of a family who lives in a small town. And their son, the son of this family, was active duty military, died in combat. They're still sort of in the grieving process. You can tell it's weighed heavy on this on this family. Um, the father is an alcoholic. The mother is sort of depressive. The son doesn't really get along with anybody at school, sort of a loner. And uh, their 20-something-year-old daughter is still living at home. In comes David, 
who comes unannounced and says, you know, I was in duty with your son and I have this responsibility. Uh, he beset on me to, to tell you guys that I was with him in his last moments and that he loves you and wants to know, wants you to know that everything's okay. And, you know, it kind of gives them all this little bit of closure that they didn't think they would ever get. And mm -hmm. so the mother sort of takes it upon himself, you know, to, to bring in this guy and give him a room and a couple nights stay while he picks himself up. And he starts to sort of ingratiate himself to all the different members of this family. And as he stays with them longer, they learn a little bit more and more about him. And he may not be everything they thought he was. Yeah. And yeah, there's things kind of get, get nuts. <laughs> they, yeah, they get nuts. I, I don't know how much to say, but I also like. I also think that some of this is is very interesting because I don't want to spoil this movie. I think mm -hmm. people should watch it knowing as little possible. But like, I also think you could kind of figure stuff out based off of just like the poster, right? And and, and just, the fact like, that the, it's Adam Wingard and yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so it's um, definitely coming from a sort of a genre point of view, even though we're dealing with heavy subject matter here with like you know post war and uh, veterans and. All of this family yeah, drama this isn't, stuff. Yeah, that's just a framing device for a. Uh, I call this a domestic thriller, and yeah, you know, we talked about uh, shared um, those who wish me dead is kind of a throwback. To me, this feels like a little bit of a throwback of movies like Hand That Rocks a Cradle, uh, Poison Ivy, The Babysitter. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, the good son, the good, yeah, yeah. Like, th like this idea of like you're letting okay, this even we might a little, get a little bit of, if you want to go back even further, even something from the tradition of something like Cape Fear or or yeah. uh, Night of the Hunter, you know, this idea of like a person enters a family and sort of destroys it from within, yeah, that like, yeah, this Let's, idea that like you're unwittingly led, mm -hmm. letting evil into your household. The stepfather uh, comes to mind as well. So that is the genre that Wingard is playing around with. And there's a little bit of like, but, there's a little bit of a cross genre pollination going on. Towards, yeah. 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 So, there's, there's definitely some John Carpenter vibes in here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a horror guy. He comes from a horror background. That's going to work itself in there. There's also some, you know, straight up action set pieces in here. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a sci-fi twist that we're works its way in um not like yeah i i i have uh i'll tell you how i would pitch this movie uh at the end but i i don't want to give any spoilers before we get into the actual review mm -hmm. but so where do you want to start with this i want to start um, with dan stevens because he carries the thing everyone's great in the movie and we, we do have a really good cast um dan stevens Micah Monroe so is, you know, she was she was in uh, It Follows, and yeah, she's great she's here. She's great. Um, the mother, uh, Sheila Kelly, is really good. Uh, the father, Leland Orser, is a big character actor. You probably remember him from Seven like, and things like he's that. He's like the go-to, he was the go-to guy in the 90s when you needed somebody sweaty and sketchy. Yeah, for like, you know, a scene or two or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And he's, re he's really good here as the father. Um, they're all playing their parts really well, but Dan Stevens, this is it. I mean, it was a sort of a cult film and, and it, it, it has its fans for sure. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say this is the movie that made him, but this is sort of his calling card. 
because he Dan Stevens is so fucking good. Yeah. He is he is one of those actors that I am like anything he's in, I'm kind of peeking at now. Yeah. Uh because he's just so watchable. So charismatic. He, and, and here's the thing. He's playing a role that could be very boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, cuz it, it could be very like it, you know, we've seen the sort of a return home soldier performance by a lot of good actors in a lot of boring movies. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, and and he there isn't anything bombastic about this character. Uh it's very like it's very straightforward, but he plays it with such subtlety and such earnestness mm-hmm. that it just feels so believable. Well, it's and one he, of those things, right? Because it's it's a it's an actor who's playing an actor because yeah, he's yeah. he's a, he's performing as this he's as this imposter person um, in the film, and so he's you have to, and this is not an easy thing to do is you have to be convincing as the performance that the person, the character, the performance of the character, but you have to be able to reveal that it's a performance while also letting the audience know that these characters don't see it, even though you do. And, And you all, yeah. And you also have to make it believable that like, why this, these characters don't see it. Like it, it is challenging. And yeah, and, and it's all also, with a, it's all with a smirk, or it's all with you know a, a twitch of the eyebrow, or just a pause mm-hmm. before he says something. It, it and he also does this thing where it's like again we've seen a lot of like return home soldier movies. We've seen American Sniper. We've seen you know Jarhead stuff like that. Uh, it, but he doesn't play it with this sort of like hangdog everything so seriousness. He plays it like. He's this cool guy mm-hmm. who you want to get to know, who you like, you, it's very easy to see why this family is charmed by him. Yeah, you, and he charms, I think, you, charms the audience the same way. Yeah, yeah and I, I think that is just as important to this performance is like, even though we, the audience, kind of see what's coming, mm-hmm. maybe not exactly what's coming, but we have some idea that, you know, there's, there are darker waters below, mm-hmm. we're still like... Yeah, but he seems like a cool dude. <laughs> yeah. And he seems naturalistic and he seems, I mean, American for one. So, uh, you know, Dan Stevens is actually an English actor. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the best American actors are English. That's true. And he's doing all of this subtlety and character work while looking like Dan Stevens. <laughs> which in and of itself is incredibly difficult that a person can be that flawlessly attractive and <laughs> and be able to blend in any scene. Is is Dan Stevens our new Rygos? <laughs> well, Rygos better watch out. He better yeah, watch. Yeah, because he is. He, yeah, because he, <laughs> there's a new, there's a new... A new, uh, I also I want town. this on the record. I've tweeted this. Um, if they do another live action Constantine interpretation, oh, he'd be good. You would be lucky to have Dan Stevens. Yeah, he would. He is so insanely perfect for that that like I will settle for no less. But here's the other thing about the the performance and and sort of about the movie as a whole. Is it's doing all these things, all this character work, all this thriller work. It's building mm-hmm. tension. But it's also sort of satirical and sort of funny. And yeah. the movie, like, 
all is 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 there's a, there's there is sort of a a wall of irony between you and the heaviness of the subject matter. So when bullets start flying and bodies start, you know, getting hacked up and the things that happen in this movie happen, it's not so devastating and so painful that it that it like shakes the movie off of the train track. Yeah. That's a good point because the subject matter could be it could, could be, be a- heavy enough to weigh this movie down mm-hmm. because it is, you know, it is about uh, a family that lost a son and and, right. and all this stuff. But once it sort of flips into genre mode, mm-hmm. you're allowed like the movie relieves that tension. It allows you to just kind of go with it. Yeah, because uh, I, because from the get go, there's a little bit of a wink at the audience, like. Mm-hmm. We're in this together. Like, you're on this ride. We all know what's going on. Let's just have fun with this. Even though, like, we're going to do some seriously twisted stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I I loved this movie. I did I too. thought this movie was so much fun. I thought uh, it was damn near perfect. It's it's pretty great. It's like, also, this is a solid uh, Halloween watch coming yes, up it this is. October. It is. Uh, which I was not necessarily expecting. Uh, but yeah, like I said, once it flips into genre mode, it just, like you said, there's action scenes that mm-hmm. are just straight action. Mm-hmm. That are just like, they're like anything out of, you know, a fucking 90s Van Damme movie. Yeah, or a Bourne movie or something. Yeah. yeah. And then there's horror elements. Uh, okay. So this this is my little... Spoiler, um, I, I guess. He, he, if I was going to elevator pitch this movie, I would say, what if Captain America was actually Michael Myers? Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's the premise of this movie. And it's, and I think throwing it into that domestic thriller category mm-hmm. was such a smart delivery mechanism for this type of movie. Uh, because it allows... It allows the horror elements to creep up on you. And it is kind of having conversations about, I don't know, intentional or not. Um, but there, there is sort of a subtext here about ex-military and post-traumatic stress disorder and power fantasies and American exceptionalism and all of this stuff that kind of like weaves itself just in the by nature of what the narrative is, even though it's all crazy town. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's even like, you know, even stuff about I I think just the the movie's approach to violence is really interesting because Mm -hmm. like, you know, we see this character early on do violent things to to bad people, to like these school bullies and stuff. And and, you know, we've all kind of been in this bullied situation. So we're immediately it plays with this idea of like, you know, and how many high school movies do you see? The kid, you know, the kid get justifiable violence against the bullies. And then the way that sort of flips around of like, well, you know, it's violence is violence. And this guy is not a good guy. uh, I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. I I thought that was a really interesting take of like, you know, we're going to see him kick these bullies asses and it's great and it's awesome. And yay, go, go, dude. He's a cool, likable dude. But then we realize he's a fucking sociopath. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it is kind of, it's almost kind of like having the same um, uh, subversive conversation with these hero archetypes that something like Invincible does. It, yeah. But in a very different way. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it it just it talks about it, this movie very much has a conversation about like acceptable violence and who we will accept violence from, mm-hmm. which is I think really interesting and cool. Yeah. And, and and even even who we will accept violence from, there is a point. There is a tipping point of like, well, this isn't acceptable anymore. And yeah. you know, to a character who doesn't understand that. It doesn't matter. It's all acceptable. It's all violence. It's mm-hmm. all, you know, like he, he even tells the kid to like burn their fucking houses down. <laughs> that, that was pretty great. Yeah. Um, and that was one of those lines. It's like borders on comedy um, and is it's kind of both played for laughs. And you're also supposed to be sort of nervous at the same time. Exa- yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of that, too. Of mm-hmm. Is this for real or? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just think, I mean. This is, if nothing else, a masterclass in, like, uh, uh, building tension and relieving tension and then building tension and then having that pay off. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, this is my favorite film I've seen by Wingard. And I really loved Your Next, um, but I think this is so hyper-focused. And Yeah, I I think I agree with you. I just was just, like, from the... From the go, I was just mm-hmm. with this movie. I was like, this is, yeah, this is everything everybody said it is. I wish right. I'd seen this sooner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I knew I was going to like it, but I even, even then it surpassed my expectations. Yes, same, same. Um, So, yes, I definitely suggest that anybody watch it. If you want to wait until Halloween, it is a good Halloween watch, Um, but not entirely necessary because it is... It's a, there's horror elements, but it's not strictly a horror film. Yeah. Um, soundtrack kicks fucking ass. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just a yeah. great movie. Yeah. And uh, also, I, I um, do want to give a shout out to, uh, like you said, the entire cast is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but Micah Monroe is also really good in this. Yeah. And I'm a fan of hers based off of um, this and It Follows, like, yeah. you know. Uh, a couple solid turns for her. So, and those movies uh, came out around the same time. I think this came out a little bit before, but um, you know that was well. This is 2014, 2015. It follows. I think was a year later or something like that. So th- that was definitely like in that like white hot period of this indie horror that was happening, yeah. and all of these people sort of peaking all at the same time. So you know, it's it's definitely. Uh, of a moment too in in horror cinema. Totally. Um well great. The next film I'm gonna have us watch for our streaming homework is the film Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, which came out in 1989. This is uh by uh Pedro Almodovar. Um I don't believe you've seen any Pedro movies up to this point. So I think of the ones I've seen, this is a a good entry point into what he does. Um, and this is also a really young performance by uh, Antonio Banderas. Uh, cool. Yeah, I've never heard of this, so I let's check it out. I'm excited to watch it. Alrighty. And if anybody has anything to say about any of the movies uh, that we talked about in this episode or past, or you want to ask us a question on Instagram or any of those things, um, you can contact us at our email at mcguffinpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at mcguffinpod. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mcguffinpod. 
Uh, be sure to leave us a one or a one star, uh, a five star rating <laughs> and a one sentence review over at iTunes or Stitcher Radio, um, Pocket Cast, Player.fm, uh, Spotify, and the Google Podcasts. Um, you can read my reviews I do weekly for the Idaho State Journal by Googling Idaho State Journal Movies, and that'll pull up my reviews. Um, and you can follow me individually on Twitter at BC Cassidy, and you can find me on Instagram at BC Cassidy. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Keith Foster Kid. Uh, you can also check out my art account on Instagram at Sticky Note Aesthetic. Okay, and that'll be it. It's a harder to find quotes than I thought for these. Then bring a knife to school. If they take it off you and beat you up, you go around their houses at night, burn them down with their families inside. <laughs> What's the worst they can do? Bye.